Welcome back to the TV Talk Machine. As you've probably noticed, I am not Jason Snell. I am also not uh, Alan Firewall. Uh, my name is David J. Lohr, and I am here with a special guest. Uh, it turns out, in uh, t- uh, Tim's contract, uh, apparently once we hit two full years of weekly episodes, there's a clause that says, I have nothing left to prove I get vacation. So... We let him out, and in his place, we have another critic from The Hollywood Reporter, Mr. Dan Feinberg. Apparently, there was a clause in my Hollywood Reporter contract that I didn't (laughs) read, that when Tim bails on things, I have to be his fill-in. So so think of me as the uh, cut-rate Krusty the Clowns who showed up at Camp Krusty when Krusty the Clown was unwilling to attend. (laughs) But the audio quality is awesome. So. I am. I am happy. I, I've already told you, and I can tell the listeners. I am. Uh, I am talking through a promotional mic from Fox's Stars. Stars. No longer. Uh, not stars. Star. Rather. <laughs> no longer on Fox, but it will be back in the fall. So yeah. Uh, what's been going on in TV this week? We've got. We've got a couple of things that had series uh, season finales. I guess. Uh, Big Little Lies and Legion. Uh, what What did you think of those? I, I thought that um, Big Little Lies was a show that uh, I assume Tim talked about in in his great hatred for it on this <laughs> podcast earlier. Uh, I, Tim, I believe so. Yes, <laughs> Tim, Tim vastly more negative than uh, than your average bear on Big Little Lies. <laughs> uh, you know, which is fine. I don't necessarily I, I don't necessarily know how much I disagree with any of the things that Tim criticized about the show in his review. I just didn't view any of them as being reasons to dislike the show as much as he did. But I think it's all, you know, just how you tip on the teeter-totter. You know, I definitely agreed with his idea that there was a certain aspect of privilege to it. And it was definitely a show about the problems of wealthy, wealthy white people in Monterey. On the other hand, I felt like those problems all had kind of correlations to problems that, say, non-wealthy white people might have. And I enjoyed the show very much for that. And mostly I enjoyed the show because all of the actors really honestly, top to bottom from Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman on down were, were just spectacular. And that, to me, is always going to be a reason to watch a television show if there are 10 great performances. And so it right. got to the finale and it was a mystery and I didn't care all that much about the resolution of the mystery, but <laughs> I I didn't hate the way anything that I expected to come was revealed. Were you watching uh, Big Little Lies or not? I, I did. I did. Um, and I'm pretty much down the line with you there. I uh, I was far more interested in the look and the acting that I was in, invested in the mystery. And I think that's okay. I don't think yeah. it necessarily needs to be gripping. I don't think they gave enough uh, red herrings to really have there be any mystery on who the body was. By the way, what what is what is our policy here regarding spoilers on things? Uh, are we are we should we be spoiler light or or um, would Tim normally spoil everything? I mean, uh, it depends. It's I, I guess it's the upcoming things. We we try to be spoiler light. Uh, I think I could probably fire off the incomparable spoiler horn and let people know that that's that's when people go, okay, I can turn it off and then let people know when they can come back. Uh, because yeah, it's 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 fair game. It's been on. 
It's it's just important to me that I do not alienate the trusted listening base of this <laughs> podcast by violating any of its sacred rules. On the other hand, yeah. So no, I don't. Without even without spoiling anything, none of the big things that were twists were really all that shocking, except for the who done it of it all and the who done it of it all. From what I understand, if you read the book that this was based on, it made a lot of sense. If you watched the TV show, it made virtually no sense, but it mm. didn't make no sense in an offensive way. So that was how I <laughs> looked at it. Although lots of times you get this, you get oh, this yeah. twist and you're like, that makes no sense. No one would do that. What the heck? And I definitely did not feel that way about this twist. I said, okay, I can kind of buy that under some circumstances this character might have done it. But apparently the book, there's actually a backstory explanation and it's totally organic. It was right. not here. Right. Yeah, I didn't read the book, so I have no idea. I I set the si- book aside. HBO definitely gave it to us at press tour, and <laughs> I am I am very much as a rule want to read the books in in cases such as this. I just didn't have the time, and then once Tim was reviewing it anyway, I was I was right. happy to read other things. But I've been told that if you read the book, some of the things that happen in the finale make more sense, whereas uh, David E. Kelly and the director made the decision to make it a little bit more elliptical, a little bit more uh, kind of a, a tone piece in the end rather than something where it was supposed to beat by beat make sense, literally and that's in keeping with what the show was, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And and it leaves something for people who do want to go back to the book. I, I guess if you sort of feel like you, there's value in supplementing the series with the book and you can ignore the fact that it is in Australia and things are different and other things like that. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't think the periodic appearance by a kangaroo will uh, make it all that. <laughs> Apologies to any Australian <laughs> listeners. Uh, I'm going to, I am now going to make this podcast uh, alienate people with all of its spoilers and alienate Australians by saying that all Australians are friends with kangaroos uh, and and koalas. They all have yeah. koalas. I've been told that both koalas and kangaroos are uh, fairly disgusting animals. <laughs> Like, I've been told that there's a, an, a natural number of diseases that koalas carry. And I've also heard that uh, the inside of a kangaroo's pouch is, like, the most disgusting thing in the entire world. Yes. And not if it has, like, a joey. It's, you know, it's all sorts of other things. Uh, but, yes. <laughs> so I've been told that all things considered, you don't want to be a friend with a kangaroo, which was also the lesson of Kangaroo Jack, if we all recall. <laughs> so, in conclusion, Tim was wrong about Big Little Lies. You are listening to Marsupial Talk Machine on the Incomparable. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like I should probably know something about these Australian animals if I'm going to keep talking, but the the reality is I actually do not. So. Yeah, I, 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 um, we could go to Komodo dragons. I know a little bit about Komodo dragons. Ooh, I know nothing uh, about them either, except that they're big and scary. They're the world's largest living lizard. They're a ferocious carnivory found primarily on the island of Komodo, as well as the islands of Ringipedar and Flores in the Indonesian archipelago. I learned all of that from Bob and Ray. Huh. Okay. Well, see, knowledge. So, you know, suck it, Attenborough. I get it from comedy duos. <laughs> Boy, I mean, we, we could be talking about planet Earth, uh, too, but instead we're coming at it from a different angle. That's right. What did you think of planet Earth, too? 
I mean, it's it's beautiful. I've only watched like two episodes of it. The problem is they're there again. And this is, you know, you've experienced this with Tim, no doubt, is that if Tim isn't reviewing something, I assume a lot of what I'm reviewing, he hasn't gotten to watch. And a lot of what he's reviewing, sometimes I watch some of it, but other times not and planet earth is you know it's gorgeous it's it's gorgeous and all of the background of what goes into making every single one of those shots and and experiences is fascinating and if i had the free time i would like nothing more than to spend a weekend catching up on planet earth 2 but planet earth 2 is just one of 800 things that if i had the time i'd spend a weekend catching up on them oh yeah if if you get a chance at the very least watch the cities episode because i mean the whole thing is quite amazing but the the city's episode is mind-blowing huh okay is yeah. it like is it like coyotes that wander the streets of los angeles or something oh it's even it's even better it's uh some things in mumbai and uh you know tigers roaming the streets and and ah. hordes of monkeys running across rooftops and ooh, stealing ooh. things and it is it is just amazing and no, some no, of no. them if anyone follows me on Twitter and uh, or or has listened to other podcasts I've done, they know that uh, all you need to do to get me to watch is the phrase "hordes of monkeys," and uh, <laughs> I am there. So stop right there. Sold. All right, and and then watch the making of just because they show how they filmed the hordes of monkeys. It's it's awesome. Um, I have no doubt. Now speaking of shows that finished up, uh, how about Legion? Uh, Legion was a show and is a show that I appreciate and applaud for its aspirations and can only go so far with. And so I've heard that a lot of people who were deeply invested in the in the actual plot machinations of it. Uh, I've heard some people say they were disappointed by the finale, that they thought that certain aspects were resolved too conventionally or certain things didn't make sense. But I found that enough of the time the entire show wasn't making sense to me, and that was okay. So I found that I appreciated the finale on roughly that level. Now, the fact that it was probably of the eight in the season – one of the least interesting episodes of the group that is that's a minor problem and not a problem that bothered me extensively but still a reality but over the course of the season no it's a it's a show that is uh very much in its own head or in noah holly's head and having loved two seasons and one episode of uh fargo i'm happy to spend time in noah holly's head It, it might be a little too much in his head for me i think that there's a whole genre now of of kind of it's all in a snow globe tv uh whether it's mm. this whether it's uh, uh mr robot whether it's westworld where you're spending the entire time questioning the reality of the world in which you are and i don't in any way begrudge people for whom that's a kind of storytelling that they really like. It's just not my preferred kind of storytelling. And so I'm as a rule, probably going to like those shows a little bit less than some people. And so right. I probably liked Legion a little less than some people did, but I still liked it and appreciated it. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I had avoided it just cause I was like, I, I had hit peak comic book stuff <laughs> a while ago. And, uh, I, I can't remember when it was, but I was I was hosting with Tim one week, and he said, "Have you seen Legion?" And I went, I, "I'm peaked comics," and he goes, "No, no, 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 give it a try." And and that was like maybe the second week of the show, and I was like, "All right, it's it's early enough I can catch up," and and I did like it at first, but it was this, yeah, I, I I feel very much the same way. It's it's sort of like, uh, and maybe that's a problem of peak TV 
I mean, I don't, I, I don't entirely believe in peak TV being a bad thing, but if we're getting three and four and five series that are exactly, you know, like you said, Westworld and Mr. Robot and this, they're different, but they're really kind of the same. It's, it's enough similarities that I'm just like, well, I don't need to watch all three, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that the that the good thing is when quality is able to help stratify things. And so, yes. you know, hitting hitting peak superhero and peak comic TV is absolutely a viable possibility and I would never tell anyone, "Oh, oh, there's not that much of it. There's entirely too much of it." You know, once I once I've got my four DC shows on the CW every single week and then uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. comes back and then there's a that 13 episode Marvel show on Netflix dropping and all of that. There really is a lot of it, but that's when it becomes a good thing when something like Iron Fist is unbearable and unwatchable <laughs> and in all ways so manifestly failed that even marvel fanboys struggle to find ways to justify and insult critics for disliking it as if to say <laughs> oh because you brought up the issue of whitewashing uh that means that you're not appreciating the show's finer points and then they just go quiet because the show has no finer points <laughs> i was just gonna say <laughs> because because it's awful and unbearable but it's really good when something is so clearly a disaster that you don't need to bother with it and so you know god bless the things that actually just fail and fall on their faces out of the box because that's a box you know you don't need to you don't need to check so so legion absolutely had enough things valid about it that it was worth watching and worth recommending in a way that iron fist very clearly was not is what? not what were they thinking? Oh my god! I mean, I'm not. I I get the whitewashing thing, and I and I get that. I, I have that a lot in theater because everybody wants to do the Mikado, and then everyone gets upset about the Mikado. And so I'm like, all right, but you know, okay, if you want to be faithful to the comic, fine, do it that way. My problem isn't the whitewashing. My problem is that everything else about it is so awful. I mean, oh, he looks winded. Iron Fist doesn't get winded. Come on. It's and and that's where the sort of half-assed reading that so many uh, of the fanboys who wanted to tell me I sucked on Twitter for disliking the show <laughs> comes in because my review was in the neighborhood of fourteen hundred words. It was a long review, and I believe the only context in which I mentioned appropriation or whitewashing was to say pretty much, yes, this is a bad thing, but it's like the fiftieth worst thing about the show. <laughs> and yet people went, "Why did you harp on that? Why did you whatever?" Mm. and I wasn't blaming the depiction of Danny Rand on his being white. I was blaming on it being uninteresting and boring and <laughs> zero dimensional as a character. I just happened to mention that be this other thing that you could talk about if it were even worth talking about. And it's worth talking about in general, but right. Iron Fist is so bad, it's almost irrelevant. It's like, okay, <laughs> let's just announce the show for being crap, and then we can save our discussions of things that are problematic for things that have the substance to justify the discussion at all. There's no substance to Iron Fist. It's just a badly designed, badly conceived, badly executed uh, show that, unfortunately, at some point I'll have to watch episode 13 up just to make sure I understand the context of The Defenders, if I care. Well, I was just going to ask, how do you think this is going to work balancing with the other characters in The Defenders? Because 
you know, I mean, the shows have been uneven in spots, but they've been generally pretty good. And and certainly the actors in, in those roles are really good in the roles. And then you've got Iron Fist. How, you know... I No, I don't know. If I were, if I were a writer and someone told me, okay... Uh, here, here's Jessica Jones, here's Luke Cage, uh, here's Daredevil, and here's Iron Fist. Um, play around with these characters. I, no, I don't know what I would do with Iron Fist. I, I can I can look at the other three and I can go, okay, I have a very clear sense of how each of these three work. And also, because those shows are not perfect, I have a clear sense of where they maybe don't work. I can find okay. ways to accentuate where those three characters thrive but with iron fist i can't I, I can't tell you where i would put that character to his best advantage so i would probably spend like the first six episodes pairing him off with different heroes to see if he suddenly becomes interesting when alongside one of them and <laughs> that unfortunately isn't something you can do in an eight episode miniseries so it's it's their disaster to deal with nice um yeah it's, it's kind of like the brave and the dumb not not to cross comic universes there, but is that a thing? I'm oh, oh, to oh D- DC Comics has the Brave and the Bold, which was always a team oh. up, and so this is sort of yeah. the, the Brave and the Dumb. I wasn't sure if you were if you were referencing something directly that I didn't get because oh, I'm no, not no, no, no. sufficiently enough a comic geek. <laughs> you know, the Brave and the Dumb. It it could be a a thing. Well, I don't it, know. yeah, it's kind of a Howard the Duck ish thing, I guess. Exactly. I don't know. I don't know. I just. Oh. But if you say if you were if you were just making a joke, then I will chuckle accordingly and <laughs> not feel stupid for uh, not getting the reference. Somewhere, Alan Suppenwald is just shaking his head. It's okay. I just trust me. I, I made him do that enough <laughs> over three hundred plus episodes. So. It's, it's kind of a, a hobby now, yeah. um, for, for old times' sake. Exactly. Sometimes it's professional. Sometimes it's amateur. Yeah. Well, why don't we pause here for a second and uh, have a little ad from our friends at Keepsake. Uh, you know, because we always have them handy, uh, oftentimes the best memories are captured on our phones, right? But then we forget about those photos and leave them to just sort of hang out in the camera roll. I think I've got about a thousand photos on my phone as I, as I speak. Uh, but now that's uh, that can all change, thanks to Keepsake. Keepsake is an app that lets you take the photos on your phone and have them printed, framed, and even delivered right to you on your doorstep. Straight from your phone to your house, all you do is download the app and start uploading your favorite photos. And with dozens of options under $30, the prices are fantastic and much better than your local frame shop. Not to mention you get free shipping straight to your door. That's pretty cool. All of Keepsake's frames are individually handmade in the U.S. in tons of different styles, including wood frames, modern frames, rustic frames, black frames, you name it, they've got it. So don't lose those memories on your phone. Do something with them. Put them on your wall. You have room for a thousand photos on your wall, right? Well, I don't, but that's okay. Uh, just take the, take the good ones. So remember, uh, Keepsake. Go to your app store download it it's five star rated that's not bad uh remember it's keepsake k-e-e-p-s-a-k-e if you do use the promo code tv talk for 15 percent off your first order um well speaking of netflix so uh how about this show uh what is it 13 reasons why 
13 Reasons Why, and it's a good show, and it's another, and, and this one is one of the shows where I read the book beforehand. It's it's based on a YA novel, and it's about a, a girl who, a high school girl who commits suicide, but before she does it, she leaves a series of 13 cassette tapes to be passed along by people she felt were in some way responsible for her death, and it's kind of a mystery, it's kind of a a sad suicide note, and the show is is very, very well constructed. It, it balances flashbacks and current stuff and hallucinations and fantasies and misunderstandings. It's, it's a very complicated piece of storytelling. It's very well done. Uh, and the main actors are terrific. The, the lead actress uh, is Catherine Langford. She's uh, an Australian actress, which means she's friends with a kangaroo. Uh, <laughs> I like to tie things around and back oh. together. Um, and she's she's amazing. She's she's just fantastic. I am generally prone to having problems with British and Australian actors for their American accents. And hers is excellent and consistent. Uh, it also features Dylan Minnette, who people will know uh, as Jackson from Lost or from Awake or from other various things. And it's just a really good show. It has it has some challenges in the adaptation process and going to 13 episodes for Netflix. Sometimes it feels a little padded. Sometimes it feels like it has B stories that didn't work. Uh, but it's it takes the subject matter very seriously. It, it's very emotional. And uh, I think it's probably important for young viewers to watch and very worthy and worthwhile for older viewers as well. That's good. I, uh, I saw the novel the other day and had seen some of the promos because um, one of the actors is uh, friends through Broadway and theater stuff. And um, I haven't watched the show yet. But just reading the book or the back of the book sounded interesting enough that I brought it home. So I'm going to throw it at the 15 year old and see what he thinks. No, it's a, it's a good book. It's a it's a very fast and easy read. I I read things very slowly these days because I read in sort of 15 minute before bed increments, but usually no more than that. And I still read it in six or seven days. And wow. yeah, it's a good solid read. Uh, and you know, I'm I'm fine with YA in general. I, oh, I generally yeah. like reading those. So yeah, no, it's it's very good. It's well performed top to bottom. Uh and yeah, people should check it out. I was very pleased with the number of people on Twitter who I saw who were discovering it over the course of the weekend. It was definitely a show that that seemed to be getting some juice. You can never exactly tell with Netflix shows whether people are watching them or not. And right. But but I got the sense that people were watching and enjoying this one. So yeah, I and I, I checked out the um, the trailer they put up for it, and it, it seemed intriguing. So yeah, I'll, I'll definitely give it a shot. No, it's it's very well made. Uh, Todd McCarthy, who did uh, Spotlight, directed the first two episodes, and then oh, an assort- and then an okay. assortment of very good indie directors: uh, uh, Greg Araki, uh, Carl Franklin, a handful of other oh, very wow. good Sundance trained directors. Uh, did basically the entire run of thirteen. There are only five or six directors, I think, and yeah, it's just very well made, very nice. worthwhile. Nice. Uh, now, tipping tipping back to the other end of the scale, uh, because I have read your review of this several times now, because it is utterly delightful. I read about half of it aloud to my 15-year-old. Uh, we watched the pilot, and his reaction was, what is that eldritch abomination? 
uh, I'm talking about Imaginary Mary. Uh, what did you think of that? Uh, Mary came through the Hollywood Reporter offices yesterday. It oh, was dear. it was terrifying. Uh, <laughs> she she brought she brought cookies, uh, and I waited until she was waddling off in the other direction uh, to go and steal a cookie. And I've been led to believe that there were better cookies at first, but no. if the price to pay for better cookies is having to actually take a selfie with a over with an oversized <laughs> Blob of hairy tofu. I am unprepared to deal with that. So, wow. <laughs> Apologies to Mary. Also, uh, the problem was that the Mary who's going around is is huge. She's well, I would uh, think so. Yeah, like she's six foot five or six foot six. She's gigantic. Whereas the Mary in the show who interacts with Jenna Elfman is a much tinier CGI blob. <laughs> And yeah, it's it's not a good show and it's not a good show for a wide variety of reasons. Ultimately, the reason that in my review I picked on, in addition to finding 15 or 16 different ways to describe Mary, uh, is just that the show doesn't need Mary. Right. And like she's not relevant. She's just something who pops up annoyingly periodically as opposed to actually having wisdom. Uh, but you know, it's, this is not a drop dead Fred situation in which there's no show without the imaginary friend. Mary could come or go and it would make no difference. And I don't think that's especially good writing or necessary writing. Right. Yeah. That, that was exactly the way I felt watching it. I, I wrote a play a long time ago and gave it to my theater partner back when I was still learning how uh, plays worked. And he gave it back to me and he said, all right, it's it's very good, but, and he gave me various things, and he said, this one character, you could just take her out and we wouldn't even notice. And I thought, well, that's that can't be right. And I went through and did like one of those things where you just do find and replace, and I just found all of her dialogue, took the dialogue out, didn't do anything else to it, and read it, and it didn't make a bit of difference. I was like, oh my god. And that's that's popped right back into my head watching the show. It's like, but I assume that the char- that the character in question was not the named character of the Ex- show. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> um, yeah, that is kind of a problem when it's called that. Because uh, yeah, I mean, I I found Jenna Elfman was lovely. Um, I could have been more intrigued by a series about her doing anything else. But yeah, this this was just. Odd. What, again, what were they thinking? I don't know. And it's from Adam Goldberg, uh, who obviously has brought ABC a fair amount of success with the Goldbergs and uh, is developing a spinoff of that that I'm not completely convinced that the world needs. Uh, <laughs> I, I li- well, no, I like the Goldbergs. I just have right. never watched the Goldbergs and thought, OK, what I need is a spinoff about the gym teacher. And that is what the spinoff is. That's and bizarre. It's an odd choice. And I like the gym teacher. He's, he's funny. And apparently right. they're also going to bring in Tim Meadows. And Tim Meadows is always great. Right. So by all means. Uh, but, yeah, I've never watched the Goldbergs and thought, oh, that's where the spinoff is. But Adam Goldberg did. Uh, <laughs> no, with this here – I think this is probably the best Jenna Elfman has been on a TV show in in years. And I know some people have kind of like an active dislike for Jenna Elfman, either because of the characters she plays or some sort of perception about her uh, personal faith, spirituality, politics, whatever you want to describe it as. And and I don't have that problem. I 
find that when Jen Elfman is good in things, I think she's really actually very good. Uh, and and here, I think she is absolutely making the best of what she can uh, under the circumstances, which are really not all that good. She <laughs> she's she's decent with acting opposite basically a tennis ball and uh yeah i I don't think she's i don't think she's the problem the show just is not funny enough on its own and it's kind of if you take away the 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 mary character uh it's basically kind of the mick and the mick is also an imperfect show but i think the mick is a far better show yeah well because it's it's sharpened its focus it knows what it's doing whereas this it's it's sort of like that's the afterthought and i guess she's supposed to be a lot nicer than the lead in the mick she's supposed to be like i think that you're supposed to at least initially feel as if the lead in the mick is a genuine detriment and danger to children and part of the show is that at least week to week she continues not to kill those children whereas (laughs) the jenna elfman character in imaginary mary simply wants no part of children because she had a tough upbringing and whatever so she's afraid of them and that's a that's a different and more benign thing but the show doesn't to me feel like a show for kids it doesn't really feel like a show for adults and so i don't know who it's a show for yeah well, I have to say, after after watching it and after your review, a 15-year-old is a huge fan of yours now. So. I, I appreciate that. Uh, have the 15-year-old uh, spread the word, spread the gospel. <laughs> Most of the other kids at the, at the high school will be like, what? What are you talking well, about? TV it's, critics! It's, TV critics, man! I, I suspect uh, most high school kids don't even know what TV is. Uh, they, they, <laughs> it's they their phone, he, and it's the exactly. guy skateboarding they, on YouTube. I did, you know, Imaginary Mary's on ABC. What's ABC? What's a Jenna Elfman? <laughs> so many, so many questions. I assume the kids today would ask. But kids, well, that, man. Uh, oh God, please, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm quite happy with fatherhood. Sure, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, no, I am, I am, I am. Uh, that that actually does lead to a nice uh, segue into streaming services because a lot of. Uh, a lot of our listeners have been writing in and asking about uh, what what do we all – I mean, we've talked about this many, many times too. But what do we think of all the streaming services now? You know, everybody everybody has their own, right? You've got Netflix and Hulu and CBS All Access and uh, more and more CISO and, uh, and, and then one that just went live yesterday called BritBox, which is a partnership between the BBC and ITV to bring uh, British television – into America and really be a competitor for Acorn, which is another, again, you know, pay X amount a month and get unlimited streaming. Um, now, for my part, I cut the cable years ago. I got rid of the satellite. And even though I get Netflix and Hulu and HBO and CBS and now BritBox just to try it out. And um, is that all I get? And Sling TV. <laughs> All of those things, you know, 10, 15, Sling is 25 because I get the TCM additional package because Turner Classic, I mean, come on. Uh, That's all still cheaper than I was paying for satellite or cable, and they're all on my Apple TV. So it's not like there's this complex thing that I have to do to set the AirPlay, to shoot it to the Chromecast. I mean, it's just, it's all there. Um, What do you feel about streaming services? How are you... uh, navigating the new landscape well i'm navigating the landscape landscape in the sense that i'm basically getting things as 
I'm required to and right. being resistant as much as possible simply because <laughs> there there are too many pieces. There's no there's no problem with my understanding that certain services are worthy players in the marketplace. I'll acknowledge that it's possible someday Crackle might have a watchable show or something. <laughs> it's uh the, you know, these things are entirely possible because again, who would have thought that the 1960s advertising show that was on the network with the badly cropped movies and remember <laughs> when was going to turn out to be a classic TV show. So you can't, you can't judge anything by where it's coming from. Uh, no, it's, it's too much and it's, it's too much and it's too much to keep track of. And, uh, it's the nightmare of, well, my DVR is constantly there and constantly full and keeping it at least semi clear is such a responsibility that when I then think of the fact that there are, you know, 13 episodes of a dozen shows on Netflix that I haven't gotten to because for whatever reason, it's terrifying. And then, <laughs> and then something like the good fight comes and it's on a service that has nothing else Right. And that was such bad planning on their part. And I like the good fight, but the basic version of CBS All Access is oh. not cheap. It includes commercials, and there's one original program on it. That's not, to me, smart. And yeah. so I keep being resistant on these things. And it's too bad because obviously there's a lot of great programming on five or six services that I don't have in addition to all the great programming there is on the 15 or 16 different services that I do have. <laughs> and uh, and so, you know, I, I love my Amazon Prime. It's fine. It also gives me free shipping. Uh, my commercial-free Hulu is a godsend. I used to <laughs> barely watch Hulu at all when it had commercials. But let me right. tell you, that extra four bucks I pay to get rid of those commercials is absolutely worth it. It's, it's so worth it. But it's it's tough. And and then you throw in this brick box thing you mentioned. And I like in concept, it sounds like a thing that might be good. But but what is its lure for me? Right. I mean, <laughs> it's it's clearly aimed at the sci fi nerds who wanted every episode of classic Doctor Who. But, you know, and I, OK, yes, it's got faulty towers. I kind of wish it had Monty Python. That's over on CISO. Um, you know, it's got it's got a, a good selection of stuff, uh, but is there anything that's going to keep me there? I don't know. Uh, I've <sighs> seen a lot of classic Doctor Who, so it's not like I'm sitting here going, "Oh, I wish I could see it." Um, you know, I'm fine. I don't need <laughs> to subscribe to it. I'm actually probably going to trim down some of the ones that I subscribe to because it's too much, and I don't I don't use them enough. Because there's too much stuff on the other services. It's exactly. all, I don't know. It's all about making sure that you have something that's essential and then that you have other stuff. And I think that's where CBS All Access went, went wrong is that the library was insufficient as inducement and uh, repeats of current CBS shows with commercials were insufficient as inducement. And there was only one compelling single draw so i've only seen two episodes of the good fight and i liked them and i want to watch more and at some point after the first season ends probably right around the time star trek premieres i'll pay for a month of commercial free and i'll binge it and that'll be it but i don't need it monthly there's no right. cause right. for that yeah i you know i tried it out um i got it ahead of time when they announced star trek because i was like Ooh, star trek and um 
it's nice to have Stephen Colbert on demand, but I can get most of the bits on YouTube for free. Um, I can actually get almost whole episodes for free with fewer commercials. Um, and yeah, it's like, you know, I know they were going to start with a big splash and start with Star Trek and then they switched it up and, but they really should have had more than one thing, you know, great. You've got most of the episodes of taxi. You don't even have all the episodes of taxi. (laughs) Come on. You know, it's, it's so bizarre. Uh, but yeah, it's six bucks a month or whatever it is just for one new show. And with commercials. With the commercials commercials part that they really, I find most irksome, honestly. If it were just six bucks, I think I probably would pay. And there is the commercial free option, but that's a few bucks more. Exactly. Then basically it becomes everybody's nickel and diming you and a few bucks more for Hulu when there are 50 shows I watch and then more and more originals. And then uh, The Handmaid's Tale is coming. And so Hulu is making itself more and more and more essential. Yes. And it just makes it hard for people to compete if they're not going all in. And CBS was unable to go all in because the Star Trek development process did not go exactly as they intended to go. And uh, I hope that they write that particular ship because me too. Otherwise, people are going to be pissed off. And I think people are already nervous because Brian Fuller was kind of the the big incentive inducement, whatever you want. And without him there, that it loses a lot of its shine. And I find that my own interest is significantly less in a non-Brian Fuller Star Trek show. But here we are. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll give it a shot because it's Star Trek. Um I still haven't watched all of Enterprise, so we'll see. I, I don't think you will need to watch all of those before starting on oh, thank God. a new thing. I, I don't think it will be required text, such I mean, as I understand it. I mean, I've got the original series and Wrath of Khan memorized, so it's okay. <laughs> um, but I've been seeing those for 40 years. Um, so, is, so yeah, on, on some of those other services, are there... Well, what what would you say are the essential shows? Uh, since since we already know what Tim thinks, what what are your essentials? Well, I think that the essentials are a lot of they're going to be a lot of the same things. So certainly, Hulu I don't think has had really an essential original yet, and I think that uh, you know something like casual uh i think it's a good show i think it might even sometimes be a very good show but i don't think your life is any the poorer for not having it uh something like difficult people i know some people like it i personally don't uh the you know the path so none of these things have been essential i think that handmaid's tale may become the first essential show on hulu and i think it may redefine Mm -hmm. what hulu is in in somewhat the same way that for certain snobby television viewers, uh, something like Transparent was an essential show for Amazon. And whether Amazon has successfully been able to find comparable follow-ups to that is something else. You know, I know Tim loved Patriot. I haven't had the chance to watch all of it. Uh, Sneaky Pete is very good, etc. You know, yeah. Goliath won a Golden Globe. Uh, none of those necessarily are essential, maybe Transparent is slash was so that's there and a couple of the newer pilots amazon has most recently done uh, marvelous mrs Maisel, for example i was just gonna ask it, it has the potential to be fantastic i yeah. i would love if you gave me more episodes of that today i would watch them 
Yep. So. As soon as I finished finished the pilot, I was like, where's the next one? I want the next one now. And I don't know that I've even, even with good Amazon pilots in the Amazon pilot process previously, I don't know that I'd ever felt quite so compellingly, if you give me episode two now, I would watch it as I did with that particular show. So I hope Amazon realizes that and, <laughs> and you know, gives me episode two at some point because Amazon is always slow with that. And Netflix has, you know, 50 essential shows. <laughs> right. and, and Netflix's way of, you know, so Netflix has that thing that pops up on your main screen. We've dropped 75 new movies and TV shows in the past week. It, it says that. And the mm. movies are almost all limitedly relevant. And there tends to be one TV show a week that they actually push to critics. And then there are five other really cool looking shows from like Chile and Belgium and whatever that you would never know existed. And there's no way for a responsible TV critic to keep up with all of it. And right. so it's it's tough. So people are always telling me, did you watch this show on on Netflix? This, again, little Belgian, Chilean, Ecuadorian, <laughs> whatever show. It's fantastic. Uh, why did I not see a review of it? And the answer is, well, because Netflix sent me uh, 75 screener episodes of shows coming in the next four weeks. And that was only for three shows and they had 75 shows come. So <laughs> it, you, you can't keep up and all you can do is trust that the networks are pointing you in the direction of the good stuff. And I don't know, but it, you know, I hope that Tim has been a big fan of acorn lately and, and that's great. And I just can't, I just don't have the time. CISO looks like it has great programming. And whenever I watch something from CISO, I'm almost always struck by how good and funny it is, but right. I've never heard human being, mentioned having so <laughs> like ever i've never had a conversation with someone outside of this even in this business like I even actually other critics i've never had a conversation with someone where they said yeah i was watching CISO the other day <laughs> just never and, and i think that's too bad I'm, I'm not saying that this is CISO's fault it's just right yeah it, right it's too it's much saturation uh i i have actually watched and subscribed to CISO. i haven't done it Every month, but I have subscribed at times uh, just to, well, the kids have been missing Monty Python because I wasn't smart and didn't get the the DVD set way, way back. And then it, it was on streaming for a while, and now it is not because it's only there. And uh, so they've been missing that. I've been showing them, um, like, first season Saturday Night Live and, you know, classic things and you know, it's like, okay, you need to see the Killer Bees, you need to see the Blues Brothers, you need to see the Coneheads, right? And those are all on CISO. Um, so, so yes, I have actually watched it. I'm, I'm, I'm a human being, I think. Um, it's the, and they they try to get us to review stuff, and I reviewed. They had uh, the Dark Family uh, comedy with Olivia Coleman last year that I really liked, and I'm blanking on its name now, but it was it was very good and very messed up and disturbing and and funny and. Uh, was uh, it Flowers? Yes, Flowers. Exactly. Uh, it was a good show. Very good show. I gave yeah. it a very positive review, but it, too much, too much stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I just I don't know when anyone has the time. I actually have a life too, right? Um, I I don't. So that's my <laughs> secret, and that's my secret to get to get to the level where I still feel like I'm missing too much stuff. 
is to give up a life and still not feel as if you've actually achieved the quote unquote achievement of keeping up with all the TV. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's not a, <laughs> it's too much, it's too much pressure. It's, it's, it's like when you go into a bookstore and there are too many books, except no one ever worries about that, except that I do. I, I worry that there are too many books I don't get to either. So. Right. Right. I'm sitting in a room filled with books, about half of which I have not read yet. But they looked really interesting when I picked them up. You they'll know. still be there and maybe yeah. you know, maybe they'll be there when the power grid goes out for <laughs> a month and we're thrust into the darkness. The books will still be there, so maybe that's when I'll get to all my books. Oh, I, I still have flashbacks to the one week that the internet service went out and the kids went bonkers. <laughs> But I have to do Roblox. I have to do Minecraft. Nope. Nope. No internet. Sorry. Uh, you know, when whenever the internet goes down at, at TCAs, it becomes a, a <laughs> thing of, of near uprising. It's uh, a ridiculous and scary thing to see TV critics without access to Twitter. So oh, dear. Trust me, I know, and that's usually for like <laughs> 10 minutes at a stretch. You know, if, <laughs> if the internet goes out for the last 10 minutes of a panel, people will go insane. So the idea of a week without internet is both blissful and also utterly frightening. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, I, I think we've probably exhausted the week. And uh, I don't know, is there anything else going on that we haven't talked about? Oh, there's there's always there's always stuff we haven't <laughs> talked about. Uh, you know, the the kids the kids should watch Brockmire, which uh, premiered oh, this that's week. right. I did forget uh, about that. I'm just I'm just thinking of hypothetical things out there that I remember having reviewed recently. And Brockmire is is very funny if you like the conceit of it. If you like the idea of Hank Azaria playing an old timey baseball announcer, and also going very blue you know it's not for it's not for the kids but hmm. it's it's a fairly good fairly surprisingly funny show uh on ifc amanda pete is great in it etc and uh so that would be a thing that people should watch uh and then people should just catch up on things like i don't know should always catch up on the americans should always make yes. sure you watch the second season of baskets etc so much tv true story <laughs> well i would like to thank you for sitting in this week on the on the tv talk machine uh people can find you on twitter at the fine print f-i-e-n that's right because we like puns and uh they can find you in the hollywood reporter of course um i can be found on twitter at d and you can always find Jason at J Snell and Tim at Bastard Machine, because he's the only one who thought not to use his name. Um, and uh, do send your questions in on Twitter, or if you are an incomparable member, you can jump onto the TVTM channel in, in the members Slack and poke us anytime you want. Uh, well, you can't poke Tim because he doesn't do Slack, but the rest of us will be there. Uh, so anyway, uh, someone will see you here next week.